0: Hello, welcome to the Written World Podcast.
1: Yeah, welcome back.
0: Welcome back. Today is a batch recording day.
1: Yes, it so is. We have <laughs>
0: recently conversed, but that won't stop us from having a great conversation. Oh, absolutely not. Because today we are reading or we are talking about Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi.
1: Ah, oh, such a gem! A gem. <laughs>
0: we are happy about this one yes um just to throw this out there uh some trigger warnings with both this book and this conversation um this book covers eating disorders cancer depression and bullying um to varying extent so if that's not something you're comfortable with maybe skip this one and maybe skip this book
1: that most definitely
0: um so just a quick overview of yoke uh, this is about two sisters, Jane and June. June's the older one, and she's kind of the classic older sister. She's super smart, she's pretty nerdy, she's a little awkward. And Jane's the younger sister, also pretty classically the younger sister. She's cooler, she parties, and she is broke. And so uh, <laughs> Jane is, I think she's 20, and June I think is 24, somewhere around that range. Um, and both, the, I mean, they're sisters, and so they were born in uh, school in Korea and raised in San Antonio, Texas, and they both ended up moving to New York City, but they don't talk to each other at all. They don't see each other. Um, something has kind of really hurt their relationship and they don't, they, they live in different versions of New York, um, both literally and emotionally. Uh, June has an important but fairly soulless finance job and she lives alone in a really nice apartment in manhattan and jane is in school for fashion and she skips class a lot and she lives out in brooklyn in windsor terrace which is fun fact uh one neighborhood over from where i live now and it's not that bad but uh her apartment's pretty bad Um. (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's an illegal sublet and she's currently sleeping on the couch because her former like friends with benefits questionable yeah (laughs) woman is squatting in her bedroom and not paying rent um suddenly june gets sick and the only person who can help her is jane and then the rest of the story (laughs) ensues
1: so um do you want to talk about first impressions of
0: yeah do you want to go first
1: yeah sure um I came into this book with zero expectations, and I am so happy about it. I was so pleased. It was such a good book. I I feel like I should approach reading like this more often, just, like, grabbing something random and being like, okay, let's do it, because...
0: I'm a fan of doing that.
1: Honestly, though, because I feel like I... I get a more, like, honest, um, opinion from, both from myself and from, like, how I evaluate the work versus, um, something that I've kind of, like, known about already, because then I often find myself disappointed, (laughs) so. But this book was not disappointing at all. It was, I honestly, when I read that the sisters were, like, going to be changing places, which is, like, kind of the main caveat of the of the story um i thought that that meant literally literally like in a freaky friday situation like i think i've read too much fantasy because (laughs) i was full-on expecting this whole like fantastical arc where they magically like switched bodies and by the time i got like halfway through the book when that like kind of starts that switch starts to happen i like was like oh is it coming is it what (laughs) so (laughs) case in point I clearly don't read like fiction as much as I used to but not like I read fiction a lot but like um, just like you know normal fiction not like fantasy fiction so but definitely really good
0: Uh, my first impression was just how kind of of the moment this book is um and not in the sense that I think it will be quickly outdated, because I don't, but I think that typically when I read contemporary books, I've heard something good about them and then I put them on my list and then I don't read them until like three years later. And so it's it's pretty rare for me to read something that's come out so recently. This book came out on March 2nd, 2021. Um, and yeah, so either when I read, when I read books, they're either already Not outdated, but like a little bit further in the past, or they or the author has kind of glossed over details of technology and pop culture so that they don't seem outdated. And I just loved how this book was so unselfconsciously like twenty twenty one. It doesn't it doesn't um, recognize COVID or anything, so like theoretically, it's pre COVID. Um, But it it mentions TikTok and Tinder and uber pool and uber black and tons of references to just very very current things and i had a lot of fun with that because that's not something i normally read um and it definitely stuck out to me right away
1: absolutely
0: where's this one for you on the couldn't pick it up couldn't put a down scale
1: i think like an eight
0: or I eight too yeah,
1: yeah yeah oh my gosh i mean I read this book in like three days (laughs) just like yeah I kind of like hammered it out and it it was a good book to do like that you know to read in a really short period of time just kind of like going and going because it has that sort of streamlined narrative
0: And that's interesting, because it's not really, like, a plot-driven...
1: No. It's
0: pretty character-driven. Yeah. So the fact that it's still so compelling to read is pretty impressive, I think.
1: Most definitely, because the the plot, like, as you said, is definitely not the focus. It's the, like, internal strife with the main character, so...
0: Speaking of which, how did you feel about the characters?
1: (gasps) Oh, I'm... I... I am a sucker. <laughs> a sucker for an unreliable narrator. And Jane is an unreliable narrator. And I think that the way the author delved into mental health and into, um, like, disordered eating and things like that in a way where even the protagonist can't recognize what she's doing or refuses to recognize what she's doing um, until the end of the novel kind of just... Really capitalizes on how we try to deny that there's anything wrong with us, you know. But at the same time, she's also, you know, we're also receiving the world through a lens of someone who doesn't think very highly of themselves, who uses the way she thinks about herself to like view other people and how they view her and like judges them based on that. And it's, it was just so compelling to really like see through another person's eyes i know that that's what you are sort of doing while you're reading but in works that are a bit more plot driven you kind of don't get that same intimacy necessarily so that was that was cool i
0: agree um i have to say about the characters um so, they're, they're very cruel to each other, and I think that, like, I think for some people that might be, like, kind of unbelievable that people can be so cruel to each other and then, like, also, like, have moments of love and sweetness, um, and I have two sisters, but we're, I think, a lot nicer to each other than Jane and June, however, well, not necessarily however, but... I think if I didn't know my mom and her twin sister, who are not this cruel to each other, but, like, I don't know, there are elements that I recognized. I think if I didn't have that background, I might have found this relationship, like, a little bit hard to buy into, but I do think it's it's really authentic, um, and I'll kind of have more to say about that later, but, yeah, I liked that neither, neither girl was, like, super likable. Yeah. Um, really and each had her flaws and each had made her mistakes and and had her good moments. And I think that's also the case of one of the love interest characters in this book, um, who I really liked. Uh, um, I think I'm gonna save more to say about that later. Yeah. Uh, I did have, oh, one thing about the characters though. Um, so I was wondering this as I was reading, like, so Jane is, she's, at like, like Izzy said, very self-deprecating. she she's constantly doing things that she knows aren't good for her and she's made it, But she' made it all the way out all the way out mm-hmm. to New York City for college from Texas. And I just, I I don't know, I kind of wonder how she got herself this far. Because when we meet her in the book, she's kind of struggling, like she's in this crappy sort of relationship with this guy, Jeremy, who's taken over her apartment and doesn't really pay rent. Um, And she's barely getting by with money and her shoes are falling apart, like you see that in the first couple of chapters. She's in a rough spot. And it does seem like her behavior's keep her in that spot. So I wonder how she even got herself out to New York to begin with. Um, and I would almost start to say, like, maybe that's not quite realistic, which, first of all, I'd be willing to forgive it anyway because it allowed the rest of the novel to happen. But also reading an interview with uh, Mary H.K. Choi, uh, she she uh, alludes to, like, parts of herself that are similar to Jane, and she also moved herself off to New York Uh, after high school Um, and I'm sure lots of other people do and I'm sure it's very possible but that's just kind of a question I had like I wonder what the process of Jane getting herself to New York looks like
1: most definitely yeah
0: Um, okay what did you like about this book um I kind
1: of touched on this before but I like I really again I'm really a sucker for an unreliable narrator just because I think it makes the characters and the story a lot more compelling because the reader doesn't necessarily know what's true or not Um, I also just really liked how the book comes to its conclusion. Like, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but, um, the way it wrapped up was surprisingly nicer than I thought it would, just because I feel like a lot of books with really difficult subject matter wrap up kind of positively, but a a little bit, like, more ambiguously, and this one does that too, but I still think that the the ending is satisfying, and it gives us a lot to like hope for and root for in the future for these characters if we were to ever see them again, which I don't think we will. But
0: yeah, I agree. I don't I say something, but I don't even think I need to. Um, I really, really enjoyed all of the references to Korean culture throughout this book. Um, both of the characters. I mean, obviously their sisters are both from Korea and spend most of their lives in Texas, but uh, have very strong ties to their roots. And obviously their parents do too, having immigrated later in life. So they are they grew up very steeped in Korean culture. Um, the food is a huge part of that. Like the way they talk about making rice and um, like, <laughs> like the way uh, Jane shows like so much Recognition and, like, kind of has a soft spot when she sees that her sister has certain Korean foods in her fridge or in, or in her pantries. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, there was just so much that I really didn't, like, didn't have a, a, a lot of awareness about um, that I think were really interesting. And I really liked um, the bit of commentary from Patrick, uh, one of the characters who the girls grew up with he went to their church in Texas um, and he's also Korean and he talks about the dynamics of being an Asian man in Asia because I guess he spent more time there or no, no no he went to Korea for a couple of years yeah after high school or after college or something um, so he spent time in both places and he talks about the difference in like just how he's perceived um, which i think is something so interesting and i feel like i've never heard that talked about and that obviously could be because of the spaces i'm in being a white woman but i really appreciated that was that was in there i found it really interesting and made me want to learn more about that um so i like that a lot uh i feel like i'm talking a lot too <laughs>
1: no you're totally fine <laughs> i completely agree um definitely like as you said like as a white woman it's it's important and, like, compelling to, like, read narratives from um, other ethnicities and other races, um, just because there's so much that, like, we don't experience and that we don't know. So, it was definitely really cool reading this book and sort of get getting this, um, this point of view from, like, um, Korean immigrants who, like, grew up in America and, their families and kind of how that functioned and very again like sort of like very humanizing very um this whole this whole book just was deeply deeply human and like broken and beautiful and i think that that's an important thing to have for for everyone you know just being able to empathize with other people so
0: and I think it was like like it wasn't it wasn't subtle, that's not what I'm trying to say, but like the way she wove in so many different elements, um, like cultural, emotional, mental, I think was really impressive. I really appreciated the fact that the portrayal of the eating disorder wasn't the entire premise of the book. Like mm-hmm. I think you have a lot to say about this, and I want you to say that because you said it beautifully before, um, but I like there were just some subtle things that were so real about the way um, Jane's disordered eating was portrayed. Like, when she first gets to, or she first, like, decides she's going to stay at June's house for a while, and they go, she's like, okay, we got to go grocery shopping, and of her internal monologue is like I had to get my provisions and like she lists all these like foods that are like safe foods for her that she needs in order to like kind of get through her day and like that's so real and also the fact that like (laughs) you know that like um June knows what Jane is doing to herself Mm -hmm. but they still don't talk about it but there's that knowing between them and that's so real, too. And, like, it's kind of heartbreaking how many cases that's the truth in. Um, so, yeah. I thought that that portrayal was very authentic. Most definitely. There was so much I liked about this movie. Yeah,
1: it was... Oh, my gosh. Um, I remember, like, texting you after we were done, or I was done, just or, like, while it was happening. I was finishing, and I was like, oh... <laughs> Ah, <laughs> definitely one of my favorite things that we've read so far
0: yes yeah. and i also like kind of had uh, a fun experience reading it um as someone who just moved to new york city and um to brooklyn where, which is where jane lives and so i felt like i was kind of exploring and getting used to things along with her um she'd been she she'd been there longer than I have now um however like it was fun to be able to to read and listen to that while in Prospect Park and um like there's a funny line where her sister's like oh you live you live right near the cemetery right and she's like ah it's closer to the park and uh Windsor Terrace is right between um the cemetery and the biggest park so <laughs> just new york things yeah <laughs> no but it was cool and i also really liked so going back to the interview i read with mary h k choi um she also moved to new york i mentioned that i think and this like the way she poured her feelings about when she first moved there into jane i just really loved so i want to read this little excerpt from the interview So this is uh, the author speaking or writing. I always thought I would be ejected, like something would happen and I would be spring-loaded and the ground would just give way and I'd be catapulted back home. And going home always felt like a capitulation because moving here was something I had done totally of my own accord. And the amount of pressure that you can put on yourself when you think about this town, almost as a place you want to conquer... You can't fail, so you want to have as much velocity in your favor as possible. But that delusion, that lack of gentleness, that almost violence you apply to yourself in your desire to succeed, it's so costly. And, dang, is that
1: yeah? <laughs> oh my gosh. I think, um, if you don't mind a slight seg- segue, that's... Go for it. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts about this novel, is this idea that Jane was so in love with New York But New York didn't love her back Kind of this This thing that moving somewhere Or changing a location Can change your life Change who you are as a person Um, That there's this idea that that is true But it really isn't Like your problems don't just magically go away Because you moved to New York Um, Like trust me I tried. <laughs> like uh, for context, um, I was bo- I'm I'm in California right now. I was born and raised here. Um, and my senior year of high school, I was so certain that I had to go to New York. That I couldn't stay in California. That if I were to leave, I could finally like break out of my shell and be like this new person and whatever and all of my problems would go away and that's not necessarily what my brain was thinking like in the forefront but subconsciously like that was the truth and boy was that a wake-up call (laughs) you know um so just this idea that like your problems your mental health issues your your life follows you wherever you go it doesn't just you can't like run away from things that's not how life works unfortunately <laughs> but like definitely um there's a central theme in this book that like facing yourself and facing the things that you go through is healthier and more important than just trying to run or hide from something it's especially if the thing that you know one of the things you need help overcoming is like relationships with your family or even just relationships with how you exist as a human being, like, that's definitely not something that you can really escape.
0: Ah, oh, and I wish you could. Like, yeah. uh, the whole the whole wherever you go, there you are thing is one of the most irritating things about human nature, and I wish it wasn't the case, but it really is, and so we might as well just accept it and yeah. work with ourselves. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, like, so despite so jane has a very the story is told from jane's point of view and she's got this very like dry sense of humor um self-deprecating um kind of kind of cynical i think Mm -hmm. for for i mean someone her age but also for like someone who just moved to the city although i guess it's She's a sophomore, I think, so it's not too recent. But anyway, um, you do have this kind of refrain <coughs> she comes back to of just how much she loves the city, and she talks about, like, oh, it's, it would be faster to get to my sister's place if I just took the subway, but it, my sister wants me to take a car, and I, like, and my New York is so much different than her. She's on this top floor, and I'm in this, like, crappy little apartment, um, but she's just still so enchanted with the city, and... I don't know. I found that a little bit tiresome. I don't know if that's just because that's like a theme that's in a lot of things, or like, I don't know. I just moved here and I don't, I don't know. I don't love the city that much. Like, I like <laughs> it. It's nice. Um, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of great people. There's a lot of like opportunities here, but I've never really felt that like enchantment like, I need to be here um maybe maybe i should leave then um i like i don't know and check back at at the end of my six month (laughs) please like i i I don't know because one of uh jane's lines really stuck with me like the city uh, demands total commitment and and stuff like that and maybe maybe that's true and maybe i'll find that to be true but i i don't know And I guess that's just, like, very heavily dosed in my own opinion about New York rather than the writing. But, I don't know. I felt like that trope didn't really pull me in too much. Um, But it was important to Jane's character and the arc as a whole. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I totally get that. I'm kind of, like, on the opposite train (laughs) solely because I used to, like... um, get get those those like same feelings of like going into the city and just being like yeah like i need to spend the rest of my life here like this is this is the this is my place i i'm not sure i feel that way anymore um solely because my perspective on place has changed a lot in the past year
0: (laughs) yes i mean that's huge too
1: yeah um i think maybe if covid didn't happen i would still have that, like, feeling, but at this point, I honestly, with the rest of my life, kind of don't really care where I am, if that makes sense, as long as I can find the things I need and the people I need and do the things I want to do and be the person I want to be, like, location doesn't really matter. Also, the the value of being close to the people you love, I mean going off on your own for college is great and all, and I don't regret it like, at all, but at the same time being so isolated <laughs> for so long the f- the familiar spaces and exploring those familiar spaces to a point where they become less familiar is kind of what I'm craving right now, I think mm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Just that, like, I want to travel. I love exploring. I love going out. I love, you know, I love traveling. Traveling's always kind of been my, one of my things. Um, and at this point, like, I'd rather do that. I'd rather live in a place where, like, I know I like it here. I know I like the, the people here, the vibe here. Like, this is... But making it, you know, unfamiliar for myself As in, like, you know, the the crave for new spaces For new places But, like, some kind of grounding I think that's the... That's the big thing Being, like, grounded Being not ripped from somewhere constantly
0: <laughs> Yeah So Yeah, I really relate to that I feel like the last year and a half at this point, like I had a, high, uh, a teacher in high school who was wonderful and like <laughs> anyone who needed a spot, like she used to call her classroom, like a soft place to land. Like mm-hmm. if you need a soft place to land during your day, come here, like I got snacks. You, if you just need to like take a minute and get your thoughts together. And I believe, me, yeah, I did. Uh, sometimes I would just like come in, sit in the back of the classroom, make like a list, uh, breathe for a few minutes and then like go to class. But anyway, Um, so, but that's kind of, like, how I've come to think about, like, having a home. Like, I don't, I, I really like, like, tiny houses and, like, Mm -hmm. traveling and stuff and all of that. But it's become clear to me in the past year and a half, like, that I really want, like, how important home is to me. And not, like, home has to be, like, a big house or, like anything like that but it has to be somewhere i feel like safe and comfortable um so yeah that's a new thing for me so in that sense like i really there's definitely a point in this book where jane doesn't have that on her own like her her apartment is like there's this other guy there and he's bringing over other girls and there's roaches and there's no hot water and like it's awful and like that feeling is so real like the feeling where you're like I can't be I can't just be here. Mm-hmm. Um and she kind of finds that well, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. Yeah. It's about places. Mm-hmm. Um I could I have even more things I could say that I liked about this book. Um <laughs> go for it. I just Okay. If you want, I mean like um, it's up to you. <laughs> Um so I think one thing that's interesting about this book is the commentary on the healthcare system. So one of the big issues that comes up in this book is that Jane June has lost her job and she so she doesn't have health insurance and so she's using her sister's ID to use her sister's health insurance that she has through school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um But even beyond that, we have the fact that June has always had uh, like really awful periods and they like led to her like being bullied like crazy in school because she would just bleed through tampons and stuff like crazy. Um, And also just made her miserable Mm -hmm. and probably gave her really low iron levels. (laughs) And, um, And then you have June who, or Jane, who is in therapy for issues that she very clearly needs help with, and she finally gets to a point where she's having a breakthrough, and her therapist says, "Hey, I'm really sorry, but this was your eighth session, and your insurance doesn't cover anymore." And like that, that sort of thing trickles into a lot of this book. And at when I was kind of like looking for some negative to this book, I almost started to think for a second, like. Uh, it's kind of heavy-handed that commentary on the healthcare system but no I I don't think so I think that is like so real and so much a part of daily life that like like yeah of course like I just went to urgent care because I got stung by a mysterious bug and like that was a whole like panic moment like is my insurance gonna cover this am I gonna be able to take care of the prescriptions and stuff mm-hmm. um just like even when you do have insurance it's it's a mess and especially as a woman that comes into play so regularly like you gotta go to the doctor there's always like something happening yeah Um, and so i think i don't think it is heavy handed i just think it's real
1: yeah definitely agreed
0: do you have anything else to to share about this
1: (sighs) let me see hold on i feel like
0: i could go on for hours (laughs) yeah um
1: I think we, we touched on a little bit earlier how Jane's disordered eating is both the focus and not the focus of the novel, and I thought that that was really well done. How the, kind of as I said before, the reader and Jane are experiencing kind of like, for lack of a better better term, the, the mental fuckery that is disordered eating and how that affects her daily life, but in a way where she it's so normal for her that like it feels normal for us too even though it's not so I think that that again really well done 10 out of 10 like uh, <laughs> um yeah
0: yeah like I feel like everything we're saying is coming back to the idea that I was really was really feeling for like I was experiencing Jane
1: mm-hmm. Jane's
0: whole experience of this the whole way through um which hurt a lot sometimes
1: yeah definitely do you want to share your writing for this week for this novel in particular
0: yeah okay so i had to think a lot about like what elements i wanted to to take with me for this because i didn't feel like there was a soup Distinctive style. Um, I mean, there are definitely stylistic elements, but nothing stuck out to me right away. But I kind of really latched onto Jane's voice. Or like dry, wit, self-degrading, um, self-deprecating. <laughs> I don't know. Not the right word. <laughs> um, and like the kind of bursts of very visceral details. So that's what I kind of tried to jump on to. uh yeah so the glass door nearly hits me in the face on my way into the building i step back just in time for a tall perfectly slender girl with a shining blanket of hair halfway down her back to stride unbothered onto the sidewalk popping in AirPods with one hand and holding a wardrobe bag over her shoulder with the other great this is the act i'll be following she doesn't stop on the sidewalk to orient herself isn't lost on me and i quickly lock my phone screen where apple maps threatens to give me away for the imposter i am i juggle three hangers and hitch up my shoulder so my bag doesn't fall as i catch the door before it closes wondering if the cancellation fee would be waived if i'd had my nose broken by another customer on the way into the studio I stumble into the lobby, give the receptionist my name and the photographer's floor number sprinkled with a cringeworthy number of uhs, and finally make my way into the elevator. The interior walls are mirrors, and as I slump against one set, I stare myself down in the other, willing the girl with the sweat-stuck bangs and CVS mascara to stop thinking about the supermodel who just left the very place I'm about to enter just did the very thing I'm about to do. The elevator lets me out onto spotless tile floors, and I follow the placard leading me around the corner. I knock and find the door's already cracked. It swings gently open at the touch, and a smooth voice calls out, Come on in. I, slept slow- I step slowly into the space, following the sound of the voice around another corner into an expansive room with wooden floors, a few metal stools, and camera equipment stretched out on a long table. A muscular, lithe form unfolds himself from behind a backdrop and smiles at me with bright white teeth. Hey, I'm Cameron. Nice to meet you. Cat, I say and shake his hand. So, my assistant Lila's grabbing some coffee, but she'll be back in a few. In the meantime, feel free to hang up your stuff, touch up your makeup if you need, and get ready for your first look. He sounds rehearsed. This is an intro he must say 20 times a day. But I let it welcome me nonetheless, thank him, and head over to the empty clothing rack he pointed me to. It's regular metal, like at a clothing store, not the wrought iron or colored metal ones from Ikea that are in every hipster apartment to make them feel like not having a closet is a trendy choice instead of a budget constraint. This one is purely functional, no pretense, and it's even got a full-length mirror on the side. I dab self-consciously at my makeup, pat on a bit of powder to soak up the sweat from the over, and hope to God that YouTuber I copied know knows what she's talking about. I duck behind the curtain and peel off my sticky t-shirt, trading it for a tank top my roommate convinced me was a good idea, despite the armpit fat. When I emerge, Lila's back, and Jesus, is she beautiful. Flawless, glowing brown skin, a stunning rope of hair falling over her shoulder in a braid, and a short jumpsuit showing off her endless slim legs. Shit! How the fuck am I supposed to feel good about myself and take pictures looking confident, whatever that means, when this chick is in the room? Honestly, doesn't Cameron realize he could skip a lot of the making clients comfortable routine if he just hired a hugly, an ugly assistant instead? I pull up my cheeks into a smile and wave at her as she introduces herself, a knowing glint in her eye. A few minutes later, I'm seated on one of the metal stools in front of the backdrops as Cameron makes an adjustment to the lights and starts snapping test shots. As he does, Lila asks me questions which I'm sure are supposed to make me feel at ease but actually convinced me i have definitely wasted five hundred dollars and should promptly move back to my little farm town and stop kidding myself so what kind of work are you into she asks gently adjusting softbox paid i consider make i consider saying to make a lame joke of it but instead say something about classical and period pieces and how i'm also interested in getting into the network tv scene oh cool yeah there's there's so much happening there these days yeah, totally. I say knowingly, with all the different streaming platforms and stuff. Yeah, my best friend actually just booked a recurring on HBO last week, and like, she's not even SAG, so the scene is totally booming. What are you working on now? Fuck, this is where they find me out. Um, I'm actually coming off a little hiatus right now. I took a break with COVID and everything, and uh, just uh, working on some material and self tapes and stuff. Like, you know, like getting ready to get back into it and stuff monologues headshots actors access all the stuff yeah totally lila says as she writes me off as another wannabe new york actress who thinks expensive headshots will get her career started for her and that's that oh my god (laughs) so um i'm getting headshots taken in september and i started to have uh concerns (laughs) <laughs> uh about that so that's where this came from
1: that was awesome though like <laughs> sheesh i i loved the just the it felt like so you you know <laughs> but like without like you know it's clearly like not you but like but it might
0: as well be <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean that in the best way possible though like it was like oh, very thanks I feel like you're just—you had a really strong writing voice. Like your voice is very apparent in there, and I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, it was good.
0: I mean, it's definitely like what I see. This this could turn like <laughs> like well, what do I? What is my worst case scenario for kind of, of what happens when I go in September, whenever it is? It's like ah, uh,
1: but it was really well crafted. You. yeah i did something completely different <laughs>
0: i love when that happens.
1: ah um so fundamentally this um this book is the story of um korean immigrants and my grandparents actually um immigrated from both it like italy on one side and malta on the other which malta is a really tiny country below <laughs> italy if no one knows where that is um <laughs> so um i kind of talk about my experience and my grandparents experience and how i'm kind of like learning to um rework how we think about my own eth- ethnicity and my own culture and things like that so yeah i'm
0: excited <laughs>
1: thank you Uh, yeah, alright, I guess I'll go ahead White I'm not English, or pale, or any of those things I'm distinctly Mediterranean oliveish skin, dark hair, and a shit ton of it And more robust features I'm white, but never quite look like most of the white girls I grew up with On multiple levels (laughs) I'm not skinny, not small Strong, robust, fat, whatever People used to be frightened of me loud and commanding. I don't think I have the same presence now, but I long for it at times. I used to not think about it much, how my grandmother took a Greek freighter from Malta to come to the United States, feasting on pickled olives. Olives are my worst enemy, and being Italian, Maltese, and Greek, that's sort of like saying you don't believe in God, which I don't. My grandmother seemed like a hard woman, but she had a hard life. She loved me in a way I couldn't appreciate until until after she was gone. I was too young to understand, which feels like a big theme surrounding the way I grew up. I was too young to get it. I have a huge family, most of who I don't know. Across the world, in the salty waters of the Mediterranean, living a life that is so separate and yet indubitably linked with mine. My mom raised me with some cultural foods from her youth, pierogies and piroshkies from Poland, where her dad's family's from. She was the first woman in her immediate family to go to college. She became a scientist, which in the 80s was super subversive, especially in a traditional immigrant Catholic home. My mom is who encouraged me to be ambitious, to ask questions. My dad, whose parents came from Italy, um, who could speak a little bit of Italian, and his mother spoke the Italian version of Spanglish in conjecture with her Alzheimer's. We didn't talk much, but she used to frighten me. I'm altogether tired of being frightened of things I don't understand. I want to, though, to understand. I hunger for my culture, to live and breathe the world of my ancestors, to know it as well as I know myself. My point is, I crave the salty seas and the olive branches, pale dirt beneath my toes as I stand beneath the beaming sun with words foreign and yet homely on my lips. I crave a truth and a place in the world that feels so disjointed, so separated, and yet impossibly interconnected. The world is a complicated place, one that can't be defined through monochromatic lenses, living and breathing color and life, rich and diverse and complex and full of stories that reach back and back until before the sun crested for the first time over the horizon. We are all people, despite what the racists and the fascists say. Um, People don't fit into boxes. I certainly don't. By no means can I identify with those who have actively and continuously been oppressed for their ethnicities, but I can take responsibility for who I am and how I can do better on my journey to find my own self among the freighter and the sea-sickening olive waves.
0: That's it. Oh, that was beautiful! (laughs) I love how the ending tied back to... Oh, to, to your grandparents coming over that was stunning Publish it somewhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would love to um, please tell that to all of the literary magazines that I've queried over and over again <laughs> hey
0: everybody yeah. yeah I got a story for you it's like oh my gosh oh, God, that was stunning I loved all of the like have you been to Greece uh, I have yeah Okay, because I, I, I loved all of the, like, earthly, visceral details. Thank you. I love that you laughed on to, like, we latched on to totally different aspects of this.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. Should we
0: do our personalized book
1: recommendation? Oh, yes. You read it last time, so I'll read it this time. Okay. So I actually, like, wrote it in my phone. <laughs> One second? Okay. So this is from Bella. Um... It says, "I want another series that is immersive as Aragon, yet had a, has a mysterious element to it, something I can get lost in." Do you want to go first?
0: <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So, caveat again that I'm recommending something I have not read, um, but I have a really good feeling about it, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's got really, really good reviews. So, we'll see. Um, so that is the His Dark Materials series by Philip Pullman. And these are these are a little older. I think they came out late 90s, early 2000s. And so there's three books, um, The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, The Amber Spyglass. And I'm just going to read a quick little premise. These thrilling adventures tell the story of Lyra, Lyra, yikes, and Will, two ordinary children on a perilous journey through shimmering, haunting other worlds. They will meet witches and armored bears, fallen angels, and soul-eating specters. In the end, the fate of both the living and the dead will rely on them. And, yeah, I feel like this will have the same, like, sense of whimsy, but, like, strong, like, rich fantasy that that Bella really liked about the Aragon series. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this could pull up the same elements. It's also kind of like a middle grade YA type book, so hopefully similar vibes. Your turn.
1: Uh, See, okay, I never read the um, Aragon series, which is, like, I feel, like, super blasphemous, considering I'm, like...
0: I also didn't.
1: A super fantasy nerd. Yeah, it's... (laughs) Sorry Bella. <laughs> Sorry, Bella. Um but I do when I heard that Bella was looking for something or I, I guess I read when I read that Bella was looking for something that was super immersive. Word on the street is. Word on the street is, is that Bella's looking for something really immersive. The only thing that I could think of that I had read was The Way of Kings which i have a lot of feelings about <laughs> um especially uh okay let me wrap my brain around this for a second because it's a very big book and it's it's definitely an adult fantasy but the char- some of the characters can fall into the, like the YA sort of age group so and the author has and Brandon Sanderson who is like the paramount fantasy author one of them at least um he has written YA before so I think that this book is excess like definitely accessible to read but it's also at the same time not the writing style is pretty simple but the world building is insane I I have never read a so complete world as this one Mm -hmm. this man literally has one of the characters' sketchbook pages full of, of like, full of different creatures, different like environments. It's it's so like, fleshed out and complete and there's so much more of it that you don't, like, get in the first book. I haven't been able to read the second book yet because it's kind of a daunting task to read these books. They're, like, over a thousand pages. Um, So, but... It's just, it's very, the world is so interesting in and of itself that the fantasy is, while it's an epic fantasy and totally about the characters, the world is what really drives the story, which is really interesting. Um, At the same time, I think Bella also requested something that had, like, a mysterious element and the Way of Kings, like... I can't it's so hard to say anything without spoiling anything but there's these um like these things called the void bringers and there's this like coming terror and this coming like sort of darkness into um the world but we don't know what they are or what it is we get pieces of history from the past involving them but you don't, there is a lot of things that you don't actually find out what the truth is or what, like, at least what we know to be true by the end of the first book until, like, the last hundred pages. So it's, you're definitely kind of hung in suspension trying to figure out what's going on and what's happening. And I think that's one of the things that really made me love this book because otherwise I would be like, yeah, it's masterful, but, like, okay. Mm -hmm. But by the end of this book, I was like, if you can get a book that's like, has you going, holy shit, by the end, then, like, I think you've done yourself well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It, it's quite the daunting read, but it's definitely doable.
0: Nice. Yeah. And what are you reading right now? <laughs> I'm
1: still reading the same book as last time.
0: That is fair, because last time was an
1: hour ago. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, But I guess, like, I can't... I can talk about, like, when I want to read next. I, um... Yeah,
0: or if there's anything else you read recently that you...
1: you Yeah. The reading game has been... (laughs) You've been busy. Not the greatest thing, yeah. Um, what's the book called? Oh, um, okay, so one of the books I think I'm going to read next is We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Ooh. By, um, Shirley Jackson, Jackson, who wrote The Lottery and also The Haunting of Hill House. And definitely like a different tone <laughs> of what i've been reading recently but at the same time i love like psychological horror or like thrillers and kind of thing i don't really Me like too. so it's like ah, i'm really excited i hope it lives up to my expectations because they're high I can't wait to hear about it yeah i can't wait to tell you about it oh my gosh i have so many things to read Though I told myself that I would read the next Lord of the Rings book this summer, and also the next um, Stormlight Archives book, which is the In the Way of Kings series, and it's um, not
0: gonna happen. Because you also wanted to like what edit your entire novel? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm picking up a book reviewing job, and um, also beta reading.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty long to do list. Yeah. Um. If
1: I just like randomly have a panic attack at some point, just like I'll be fine. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh. Got a big year ahead of you. You better rest at some point.
1: I know. Oh, I'm also like working on my thesis, which I'm super behind on. I'm. <laughs> I'm like ahead, but also behind. It's. It's not.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling. But, yeah, you just got to think, like, there's probably so many people who haven't done anything after they turned into their tutorial, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Um, Well, I am still reading Catch-22. Kind of doing it in short bursts because I don't totally want to finish it. I mean, I want to finish it, but Mm -hmm. I don't really want to read it. Um, So there's that. Um, And I just finished this morning, uh, God Spare the Girls, Which is about, it's by Kelsey McKinney, and it's about these two sisters, and they grew up kind of as, like, mini-celebrities in their town in Hope, Texas, because their dad is, like, this famous preacher, and he, one of the big things he preaches about is, like, abstinence and and, uh, waiting until marriage, and all the girls in town have these purity rings and stuff, and... Um, then it comes out that he's had an affair and it's kind of about how this whole family comes apart and comes together and honestly I'm not sure how I feel about it I still need to process it because I really like enjoyed hanging out with these characters but I'm not really sure how I feel about how it ended or anything so mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll have more to say on that later but it's an interesting <laughs> read uh, what are we going
1: to read next? Next yeah. we're reading together TJ Klune's um The House in the Cerulean Sea described as a big gay blanket. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm <am> also excited.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Again, if it's fantasy, if it's queer, it yeah, I again, I'm I'm very predictable at this point. It's <laughs> it's. <laughs> I keep saying this because it's true. Um yeah
0: you like what you like there's I do. nothing
1: wrong with that yeah i'm also subtly like easing you into getting like going to high fantasy soon so
0: <laughs> i'm preparing myself i think uh the chosen and the beautiful was like a strenuous warm-up
1: yeah um just like a <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there yeah. we're we're slowly progressing through like low fantasy upward mm-hmm.
0: all right so that's it for now Peace out. Peace out. Well, you'll hear us next time.
1: Yeah, stay safe, read lots of books.